0: your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore.
1: Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to DipsyStories.com slash Just Break Up.
0: That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A Stories.com slash Just Break DipsyStories.com slash Just Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and
2: all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder,
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like disclosing something that feels like a big deal, but probably isn't. (laughs) When your (laughs) BF unfollows you on Instagram.
2: Your boyfriend, (laughs) first of all, not your best friend.
1: Yes, that's right. And why breaking up is hard to do. hmm but before we begin we just want to give you our surgeon general's warning which is that we are not licensed therapists, mental health providers, podcasters, Mm-mm. people. I don't have a single license besides driving. Yeah. So
2: Yep. Accurate. Sam and I are not professionals. We are mere mortals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, professionals however, immortal. <laughs>
2: Um, and we're just here to offer our humble, musing, so if shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So please take our advice as you see fit. Welcome to the last episode of Just Break Up ever. Just kidding.
3: <laughs>
1: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> People just like their bowels like fell out of their bodies. What if...
2: <laughs> What if we broke up with our listeners like that? We would never, first of
1: all. We would never.
2: And we are in a contractual <laughs> obligation with
1: spotify to, <laughs> to do this for a while <laughs> yeah
2: um but welcome to the last episode of just breakup of 2020 surprise what, I, what? no
3: this, <laughs> can't happy be true. About, this is your idea <laughs> yes it's true <laughs>
2: um every year sam and i take off two weeks during the holiday season the week of christmas and the week of new year's it allows us time to reset to replenish to um be uh spend some time with our loved ones um so the next two weeks of december we will not have a new episode on monday i know this is a p- surprise i debated telling you earlier but sam told me not to um.
1: <laughs> i was like we don't want to worry them <laughs>
2: Um, but, uh, so one, number one, thank you for letting us take this break to recharge. And thank you for Mm -hmm. supporting us as always. Number two, if you are like, oh my God, I need just break up in my life, which you obviously are, um, you can always support (laughs) us on Patreon because we will still be releasing new extra exclusive episodes every Wednesday on our Patreon. And... Um,
1: if you subscribe on Patreon, you get the entire back catalog of all of our Patreon episodes. Which too. has got to so, be like
2: a hundred extra episodes at this point. I
1: don't, I don't even know. I've lost count, but yeah. But so if you are like, Oh my God, I need this for the next two weeks. You can always just listen to. So many Patreon episodes. Yes, yeah, so
2: many of them. Um, so you can subscribe for as little as five dollars a month, and you get with that five dollars, you get access to that whole back catalog. And then there's a couple other tiers if you choose to support us at a higher level that you can always change, you can always edit. Um, but yeah, so thanks for letting us take this break. Thanks for for listening for the past um, tw- year. 2020 thanks for sticking through the pandemic with us
1: i thought you were going to say the last 20 years and i was like it hasn't (laughs) hasn't been that long yet (laughs)
2: um but uh yeah so sam and i's check-in topic today is is honestly just going to be reflecting on the last year um the last year of our lives but most importantly the last year of our life doing this podcast um we've gotten a lot of new wonderful listeners through our partnership with Spotify or through Instagram or through whatever brought you to listening to us. And we just want to take a moment to reflect and express our gratitude to do this thing that we get to do. Um, When you look back on 2020, Sam, what do you think of? (laughs) (laughs) Just sort of backed you in a corner on that question.
1: (laughs) What do I think of? Well, I um... guess like...
2: (laughs) Uh, when reflecting on 2020, what do you think of? Yeah. Uh,
1: I think just that like, this was a very challenging year in a number of different ways. Mm Um, and I just think about like how, how difficult it was period. And then like how difficult everything was because it was just layered on top of each other. Mm. Um, and the way in which, like, uh, this year, I think, has really, like, stripped me to my essence, as a friend told me recently, um, of being like, yeah, you you thought you were in a good place. And also, like, you are also equipped to, like, you are also in a place where you can easily have those things stripped away from you. Yeah. Um, which is, like, hard Humbling. and also um, probably a good lesson to learn as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's like I'm trying to make positive <laughs> things of 2020 yeah. uh, and for sure good things have happened, right? Like we got this deal with Spotify, which is super cool, Um, but it does feel like this has just been like a wash. Like it's like, OK, let's just let's just like write this one off and mm-hmm. like move into the next thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. When I was thinking about the past year in context of the podcast, I had, I almost forgot that like last January and February, we had our, our third and fourth ever live show and we had planned a whole tour, you know, Mm -hmm. to happen in Mm -hmm. April, um, a multi-city tour that got shut down, obviously for safety reasons. And, um, you're right. It's funny how, um, so many things that we've experienced this year have been compounded. So many of our, um, our visions for the year, look totally different now you know Mm. um Mm -hmm. i was supposed to have a you know have get married with you next to me (laughs) really (laughs) you know (laughs) and um we were we had imagined a lot of other things but to put the the weird positive spin on it not not that that's necessary right i've been thinking a lot about toxic positivity but yeah that's real when I look back on 2020 I think so much about resiliency um and I don't mean that on a hallmark like oh my god we're so strong but like humans really do um endure even when even what they are unable to endure you know even what they didn't wish wish for what they don't deserve um that if you experience hardship during this year um this is not like a lesson that the universe mm. gave you to learn, but you learned it anyway. You know. Um, yep. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, twenty twenty. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's real. And I, I also, I think that the the word resiliency is often like a weaponized word too, mm. right? We. I think that we tend to praise the resiliency of people without acknowledging the systems that force them to be resilient. Right. right? right. And I think that this year has also been a year of sort of recognizing those systems as being, as being not broken because they were designed to work exactly this way, but as being sort of um, inherently harmful to, to groups of people. And I think Uh, This year has also been a year of me more deeply understanding my privilege, both in the idea of like um, my under like my assumed safety, Mm. right? Because my assumed safety at the hands of the police when when that is at the expense of uh, folks of color and also like the privilege that I have in staying safe from this virus. Right. Because Mm. I have. A house that's my own. I have a job where I can work remotely. I have the means to be able to continue that job. Um, right. And sort of live in my house safely. I can afford to pay more money for groceries so that they're delivered. Right. Um, I can afford to, you know, not travel places or not go into, to work. And it's just, um, I think a year of me sort of examining, the ways in which these systems protect me at the expense of, of other people, yeah, um, and that's that is, I think, really what I'm taking out of 2020 yeah, is like, totally. what can I be doing, um, and what am I actively doing now to make sure that those systems um, don't just protect me and that that they work for everyone.
2: Totally, I love what you articulated about resiliency. That's what I, I feel like I was trying to say when I think Mm -hmm. about like, I don't want to praise people for making it through 2020, but I do want to point it out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I do, I do want to say like, holy shit, like look at, look what people are capable of enduring um, or adjusting to, you know, thinking about how different our world looks from January to 2020 to now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Bringing it back to our podcast or relationships in general, I think we, um, the other day, um, Willow said something to me that I thought was really profound, which is that only the present feels long, only only now feels like mm. it's forever, right? And then and then time passes so quickly. Um, and mm. just just a minute ago, it feels like I thought I was we we were in. Um, we were about to go on tour. You know, we were planning our tour, right? Yep. And a minute ago, um, the city got shut down. And a minute ago, um, we were marching in the streets. And a minute ago, I was marrying my wife, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And similarly to a lot of our listeners, you know, heartbreak that we feel now or like an a, a, struggling to feel like we can make it through this difficult period of our life. Um, that feels long right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, huh? Anyway, obviously the new upcoming new year makes us reflect in a different way than we do when we're like in our pain <laughs> or um, stuck in our houses in quarantine.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's
2: real. Um, anyway, so, uh, back to reflections about this year, just to, to wrap up this, I, I I'm confident because we do this every year. You and I are going to talk about like our resolutions and um, our goals or, or life lessons that we learned from Tony 20 more on the Patreon. So check that out at patreon.com slash just breakup pod. If you want to join that conversation, but uh, to, to like wrap up this conversation um, or this check in topic, I do want to talk about the podcast And the strides that we've made through the podcast and thank our listeners um, and give you guys one call to action for this holiday season. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Sam said, we were so incredibly lucky to be contacted by Spotify with this deal, this exclusivity deal. And we were even more lucky to be followed by all of our amazing listeners over to this new platform exclusively. Um, We've seen our Just Break Up community grow in so many different ways, whether it's um, you know, digitally, like tangibly through our just our private Facebook group, um, through our Instagram, um, through our uh, our live shows that were happening and then our live shows that were virtual. And um, now with the opening of our new online store and and with the flood of new listeners we've gotten over the last couple of months for whatever reason, Sam and I just want to express our gratitude um, that we feel very you know in the middle of a very hard year that's hard for so many different reasons um we are really struck by the the profound understanding that you all are choosing to listen to us and that mm-hmm. you're choosing to support us and you're choosing to um engage in these conversations or or do this head and heart work and and we're just very humbled by all of that so mm-hmm. thank you
1: Um, Ditto to everything that Sierra just said. Um, Very well put. And also, we do have a holiday call to action for you all um, to help us continue to make sure that this podcast is growing and sustainable and something that we can do every single week.
2: Yeah. So if you appreciate Sam and I and Spencer, shout out to Big Cats. Um, If you appreciate the work, um, effort and energy and time and resources that we put into making this podcast happen for you every week multiple times a week if you subscribe to our Patreon. Um, can you do us one, one, give us one gift this holiday season, season, which is to tell one person, one friend or whoever about just breakup and, and what you love about our show. Um, you can do this by word of mouth. You can do this by sharing an episode in your social media. Um, there's an easy share button on the Spotify app, um, whatever it is. Uh, if, If you think of us this holiday season and you're grateful for the product that we supply, is this considered a product? (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm into it. Yeah. um, Give us one gift, which is uh, the gift of your endorsement. Uh, It means a lot. I was just learning the other day that word of mouth is still the number one advertiser of podcasts. So um, we'd really appreciate it if you give us a shout out this holiday season.
1: Absolutely.
2: All right. Enough of that. Rambling check-in topic about 2020, and <laughs> um, do you want to get into doing what we do best and or unprofessionally?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do it.
2: Okay, let's answer
1: some letters. All right, this letter comes from. Do I tell him that I sleep with an oxygen mask on? Which honestly, I appreciate you just like putting that up front. Like,
2: <laughs> great name. D-
1: yeah, don't beat around the bush here. Like, ask your question in the name field. All right, they are writing from. Cockblock block station choo-choo. <laughs> uh,
2: this is a professional podcast trademark. <laughs> Copyright.
1: <laughs> All right. Do I tell them that I sleep with an oxy- oxygen mask on? Right. Oh, Sam and Sierra. This is probably a stupid question. Cue the teacher saying the only stupid questions are the ones you don't ask. But I need some help. <laughs> I met this guy that goes to college in another state and we have been texting and FaceTiming almost every night. He is great and everything I could ask for. He will be coming to visit over the holidays and I am so excited to meet him and get to spend quality time with him. All seems to be good except after being exhausted to the point of not being able to get through a day without a nap for the past few years. I thought this was normal because isn't everyone chronically exhausted? My therapist suggested I get tested for sleep apnea Turns out I have it, which pretty much means my brain forgets to breathe at night, so I wake up five to six times per hour because my body realizes it needs oxygen. I now sleep with a CPAP, which is an oxygen mask hooked up to a machine that forces air in my nose so I don't stop breathing. It also has a humidifier, so my nose is so fucking moisturized constantly. Hashtag hashtag skincare. (laughs)
3: Let
1: me tell you, remembering to breathe while you sleep and not constantly waking up is a game changer. Normal person exhausted is so nice. So here is the predicament. I want to have sleepovers with this guy when he comes to visit, but I don't know how to bring up my condition and sleeping with my CPAP. Talk about a cock block. Do I tell him beforehand? Do I just pretend I don't have sleep apnea and sleep without it and potentially die in my sleep? But honestly, the odds of that happening are very low. Do I wait till we are about to go to bed and then just casually put it on like it's no big deal and pretend to be shocked when he doesn't use one? The machine is completely. I love that approach. (laughs) No, me too. Uh, Gaslighting, but like in a good way. (laughs) The machine is completely silent, but it is an oxygen mask on my face and a tube in bed with me, so it is a little bit obtrusive. This guy seems so great, and I don't want to scare him away with the thought of sharing a bed with an oxygen mask. I know that the right guy for me will accept me, CPAP and all, but how do I get over my own anxiety and embarrassment about having to tell him? If it doesn't work out with this guy, I know I will probably have to have this conversation with other guys in the future, and I just don't know how to go about it. You two have been such an essential part of my head and heart work over the last few years, and I am so thankful for both of you, and Willow and Peter, for sharing you with us listeners. SOS. Anxious, oxygen-deprived sleeper.
3: Aw,
2: I love this letter. Thank you so much for writing and for um, listening to our podcast. So, do I tell him that I sleep with an oxygen mask on? We got to shorten that name. <laughs> yep. To to
1: do, do I? I? Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So, Sam, what do you think?
1: What do I think? Um. Well, I'll just say first off that like. Uh, I know a lot of people that use CPAP machines um, and have loved and dated many people who Mm -hmm. have had CPAP machines and want to just like normalize CPAP machines as like a medically necessary thing that like a lot of people use. Yeah, totally. Um, And I recognize, of course, that like people who haven't experienced seeing someone wear one, um, it may be off-putting for sure. But also, um, I think what this like this letter made me think about this because I was like, because CPAP machines are so normalized at this point because like my parents supposed to use them. Like I said, I've like dated people long-term who have used them for sure. Um So like, they're just very normal for me. And I was like, right. okay, but when was the first time that I saw a CPAP machine? And like, what was that experience like? Mm. And the answer was, is that I, it's in sleepless in Seattle, the nerdy guy that, that, um, Meg Ryan is dating who's not Tom Hanks uses a CPAP machine and it's like a joke like it's Mm. like a funny thing that he's like this nerd that needs to like use the CPAP machine Mm. Um, and like I was like wow love Nora Ephron love Sleepless in Seattle one of my favorite movies but like the subtle ableism in that, like the subtle ableism that we are like constantly surrounded by, where it's like, haha, isn't it funny that this person is using a medically necessary device that is like helping them sleep better? Right. Like what a nerd. A real man would just sleep it. Like just, just like just be exhausted just die all the time. In their sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> ugh, what a nerd. Uh... And it's just like It just got me thinking a lot about like how we sort of walk through this world with this this understanding of like assumed ability like Mm. that 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 when we meet people we immediately assume that they can hear well they can see well they can they are neurotypical they don't have any sort of like medical intervention that needs to be doing like needs to be done. And like just thinking about that, and and sort of recognizing in my own self, like that that is an assumption that I need to challenge, and that right. we collectively need to challenge. Like we shouldn't just assume that people don't have things that they need to do in order yeah. to keep themselves healthy. And I was also thinking, like, how stupid that this was a joke. It's like, like I don't know, like haha, that guy's so dumb because he uses a toothbrush to brush his teeth. Like yeah, oh. yeah, like, yeah,
2: to prevent himself from getting mouth. <laughs> yeah, geez. right.
1: Like oh, ah, oh, that man has to take aspirin because he has a heart condition what a dork like yeah so i just wanted to like put that out there and and collectively ask all of us to sort of challenge that and to ask ourselves like why do we just assume that um that these like medically necessary things don't exist or like people don't actually need yes. to use them. And also like, why do we assume that people are less than yes. or like weaker because they need to rely on something in order to like keep them healthy, yeah. which we all do to be clear, but we just have normalized some types of those things and not types of others.
0: Right. Which Absolutely. is like not an
1: answer to your question, which I apologize oh, for. No,
2: no, but, no. Like,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me add to that. Um, add to that thread about ableism and also, uh-huh and and talk about bodies for a little while like i recently had a, like a reckoning with with vaginal discharge <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, getting into it
2: well no and i it's it's not like i had an infection it's it's more just like um i had a procedure done at the obgyn um mm-hmm. in which she after she did it she said um you might experience extra discharge because i just um i just uh like loosened it all up <laughs> essentially you know what i mean wow yeah, like i overshare on this fucking podcast yeah, right? i should have like... just like been more vague about this but it made me okay here's here's let me think it made me think about how like i i moved through this world my entire life thinking that my body was gross in whatever mm. way as mm-hmm. though there's not like um, vaginal mucus just sitting in my uterus. Do you know what I mean? Like um, it, and it was, and it comes out because it's in your body. Like if we opened up all our bodies, we would see pus and mucus and blood and trigger warning for all this (laughs) gory content that I'm saying (laughs) right now. But the the point that I'm getting to is um, we move throughout this world thinking as though um, all that, all bodies are pure and perfect. And, mm. You know, I'm using those words, like, very generally. And, but that ours is the gross, disgusting, broken, weird one. You know, that uh. we are the oddities. Instead of thinking, instead of realizing that the perception that we have about bodies is flawed, we th- mm-hmm. we instead think that our bodies are flawed. Um, and we, when we stop trying to... When we stop investing in this purgatory of perfection or purgatory of assumption about bodies, mm-hmm. then we then we no longer expect our bodies to not be bodies because that's what we're that's what this question is about right It's like, should I be ashamed of this thing that my body does because it's a body <laughs> you know um <laughs> So, yeah, I just wanted to add that idea about bodies to your your thread about ableism, because I think that they're all connected to this assumption of quote unquote normalcy or this assumption of perfection or this mm-hmm. assumption of ability uh, doesn't exist. And, and we're all we're all like praying to it every day, hoping that our bodies could like be this perfect performing thing
3: mm-hmm.
2: when that when that per- that level of perfection is never attained we're all gross we all shit our be- uh, beds. <laughs> beds i don't know why i said beds so, we all wow. shit our pants at some point <laughs> you know uh, as i like to say we and we all have these differently performing bodies that aren't mm. like flaws or right. aren't lessons or or choices or weaknesses but instead physiological conditions um or whatever
1: absolutely and also, Can't now I that shared we've shared that
2: about <laughs> yeah,
1: vaginal like, discharge, yeah, your your uh, your vagina is really sloughing off its uh, excess <laughs> mucus, apparently.
0: <laughs> All vaginas have vaginal mucus.
1: It's true. I'm screaming it, it from true. the rooftops. <laughs> um. So, which is to say that, like, we just sort of like talked about how ableism <laughs> is and is really stupid. Sorry, what was right? the question?
2: <laughs> let's yeah, right. Go back like thirty minutes.
1: But like, let's also acknowledge that like ableism exists too right yes. like it's stupid and also it does exist right and so right. like the fear i don't want this to come across as like oh my god just get over it yeah, like you're making everyone this has up. different mm-hmm. bodies right like no it is i think that it's perfectly natural for you to be anxious about revealing something given the fact that we live in an ableist world who might look at this this machine that you need to use as being like dumb like we yes. did in sleepless in seattle or like pathetic or like weird or gross or like ugh, different
2: um, other you know
1: right which is dumb and also exists um so i i just want to say that like i i don't want you to feel like you're being a bad person by being anxious about this because it it's totally I would also be nervous to disclose this to someone, yeah, totally. not because it's anything to be ashamed of, but because I don't know how people are going to react to things right. that they perceive as different.
2: Because not only have we been taught to be ashamed, other people have taught to be dicks. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> exactly. How do I say
2: that? You know, other people have been have been taught the same narrative that makes you ashamed of this thing, right?
1: Right. Yep, for sure.
2: Um. But getting to your question, you should absolutely tell him.
1: Although I do love the idea of you just getting into bed and putting (laughs) it on and being like, what? You don't you don't use one, too?
2: Yeah. Uh, Love that. I have envisioned (laughs) that multiple times since reading this letter. Um, So how would you approach telling him, Sam?
1: Yeah. We know it has to
2: happen. Right.
1: Yes. And I think the reason why Sierra and I talked about like ableism and like bodies is because we wanted to sort of normalize this for you right? so that it can become less of a big thing. Because I think that the best way to approach the situation is to talk to your your new beau about this and say it as if it's, like, not a huge issue. Right. And be like, um...
0: I use you this know, as you're like getting, I have yeah, this condition, like, period.
1: For sure. As you're, like, getting ready for bed, you're you're, like, brushing your teeth or whatever it is, just being like, hey, um... I have this machine that I have to sleep with because I have sleep apnea and it keeps me breathing all night and I'm gonna be like a much better person in the morning if I wear it. So just wanted to let you know so you're not surprised by it. Um and just like treat it like it's not a big deal. And if he makes a big deal of it, then guess what? You've learned something about this man, which is that like he's not someone that you wanna spend a lot of time yeah. with,
2: right? Yeah. You and didn't like learn it's it, it, it didn't teach you anything about you.
1: Exactly, and I think that that's what we want to—that's what mm-hmm. we really want you to internalize here—is not the the ableism that, that and the body shame that exists in our culture, but the reality of the fact that there's nothing wrong with you. The fact yeah. that you that you sleep with this machine is a good thing, right? right? It is it is keeping you rested. It's preventing you from dying in your sleep, which I think is super important. <laughs> <laughs> and if some if you meet someone who doesn't respond well to that, right? then that's on them. It's not on you because there's nothing wrong with you and your little sleep CPAP machine. You are one of hundreds of thousands of people who use a sleep ap- or CPAP machines every single night. Like it's not a weird or harmful thing. And so, yes, is there a possibility that this dude's going to react really poorly? There is. Um, but that, again, doesn't have anything to do with you and is about him reacting poorly and him harboring body shame issues, ableism, um, and not anything to do with, with whether or not you're deserving of love or you're deserving of someone who wants to sleep and cuddle with you all night. Like those things are things that you deserve whether or not you use a CVAP machine.
3: Yeah.
2: And also to kind of extend what Sam was just saying there too, or, and to hearken back to something you said, like your gentleman caller, um, also just needs to get used to it. Like he needs Mm. like all new things when we're approached with new things, like Sam was describing his first experience with it. Right. Um, He just needs to adjust. He needs, he needs time um, and experience to adjust his understanding of things. I'm not saying like, if he's like, Oh my God, that's terrible. Don't wear it. Then you like, you kick him out of your house. Right. You know Yeah. But I'm saying? Like he, uh, sure. Maybe he, maybe he is, um, Maybe it's new to him the first time that he sleeps with you, but it won't be new the second time and the third and the yeah. fourth, right? That, That's right. we We all have the right, the inherent right to have a new experience, right? And so yep. I don't want to assume that this man is a bad person or going to have a bad reaction, um, but I am going to assume that this is new for him. So what mm. does newness look like? Um, yep. the, other, the other thing I was thinking about um, as I was prepping for this episode is the idea of a bed and and the inti- the intimacy that's associated with i don't know a bed because like we fuck there <laughs> hypothetically you know we sleep there that's where like sleep is considered like pretty vulnerable because you're you know you can be attacked <laughs> i don't <Yeah>. know <laughs> um but i i i came across an interesting thing um online that I don't even remember what it was now, but that sleep does not equate intimacy in the same way that that sex equates intimacy. Like, yes, mm. there's intimacy in cuddling. Right. Um, and there's there is intimacy in sleeping beside each other. But in this circumstance, I, I want you to, just in this circumstance, I want you to separate like the. Act of sex or intimacy, however that manifests in your relationship, romantic intimacy, and the biological need and act of sleep, right? And Mm -hmm. obviously, like, again, I can make 100 arguments about how sleeping together is an intimate act, um, sleeping Mm -hmm. beside each other. But in this mental um, equation that we're thinking about, you know, the CPAP machine comes off, you... Have your fun, sexy time with him, and then in the separate category of things, you need to sleep. You need this biological <laughs> thing, right? Right. And to help you do this um, biological necessary thing, you need this machine. So, like, practice just in your mind for this equation: separating intimacy from sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's the mm-hmm. we, we we because of what goes on in a bed, we kind of like smoosh them all together, you know. Mm-hmm. I've also heard the same argument about people like really wanting to cuddle and, and thinking that not cuddling while sleeping is a, is a form of like romantic rejection when in reality, like the other partner just couldn't sleep well when they're cuddling. And so there's right. this, there's the difference, but there's, there's, there's another example where that line works, the difference between intimacy and the difference between the biological need to sleep.
1: <laughs> You're right. Yeah. No, that's, that is real. And as a person who, can't sleep when cuddling, (laughs) I really appreciate us uh, calling (laughs) that out.
2: Yeah. Um, Because it's
1: like, yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember
1: nights of, of like just not sleeping because I was so embarrassed to like push someone away Mm,
2: and mm -hmm. like how,
1: and then I woke up and was like, that sucked.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So like there's a twofold revelation in there. It's like, don't take someone's sleeping patterns as a sign of romantic or intimate Intimate rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Because sleep and intimacy are different. Yes, falling, falling asleep in each other's arms can be romantic. Sure, but at, when you're in the REM cycle,
1: <laughs>
2: no such thing as intimacy. <laughs> anyway,
1: yes. But do I? I feel like um, we've also literally just...
2: given this person like one piece of advice, and then just like blabbed on about For like sure. ideas that we like.
1: Yes, um, but do I? I will say that. As someone who has slept next to someone who has used a CPAP machine in the past, I will say that, yes, the first time that I did it, it was like an experience, but eventually got to the point where I would ask my partner to put their CPAP machine on so that they would stop snoring. So like, (laughs) I'm just saying that there is like, there is capacity to sort of normalize this thing for someone who has never experienced it before and that I know and I hope that your, your new beau is someone who will be accepting of that and will figure out how to have this new experience and begin to normalize it for themselves. And if they're not, then you've learned something about them that will help you, you know, reject them and find someone else who's going <laughs> to yeah. be more accepting of you. <laughs>
2: help you reject them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me just say this really quick because I feel like we've said enough, but I realized I, m- my other piece of advice is tell them beforehand. Don't tell them while you're getting ready to sleep. Don't tell him while you're, I mean, Sam said, like, brushing your teeth, while well, that would inherently be fine. My, my advice would be, like, say, like, hey, I need to share something with you about myself um, before we spend the night. I'm anxious about it because, just because I'm nervous, but um, this is a part of me. This is not a choice. This is a physiological condition, and I want you to know this about me. I would mm-hmm. tell him beforehand because it allows him to, again, like I ha- I said, that right to have an experience, a new experience, um It allows him to like mentally adjust or prepare for that, but um or ask questions or fucking do research because that's what I would do. I'd be like, "Oh, cool, a CPAP machine. What does it look like?" Tick tick tick. tick. That's me typing <laughs> on the computer. <laughs> tick tick, uh-huh. tick tick. Um. Anyway, that's what I would do. That's great. Is, would you Would you do that, <laughs> or we like just we just whip it out and <laughs> be like, "Oh, you don't have?" I mean, I would.
1: I. I would do it when we were, like, getting, getting ready, ready for, for bed or, like, yeah. going to bed. Because then it, like, it does, for me, it feels like bringing it up randomly in the in the time that you're, like, eating dinner yeah. or something feels like, wait, why are you telling me this? Like, what is the,
2: Yeah, like, I is weirdly this something that I should it, be, like,
1: weird and concerned mm, about? Like, what is this going to look you know, like? Now I'm, like, that... building it up in my head about, like, oh, this yeah. is going to be so disruptive and, like, weird. She felt the need to, like, tell me this Hours before bed.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I see. That's funny because I think that both of these things are real. You know, like both of these are <laughs> valid experiences and have, or valid points of view. Because I mm-hmm. see my approach as like a a way to caretake for them, like give them a chance to re, you know, prepare for it or whether. Whereas you're seeing it as an act of of sort of dethroning it. Like this is not a big deal. This is a part. This is just like flossing. You know what I mean? Something right, for yep. my health. Um. Yeah, and I honestly probably do a little too much caretaking subconsciously. Do you know what I mean? Like, that subconscious <laughs> yeah. caretaking, like, oh, I'm going to say something in this way so that they get it better <laughs> mm-hmm. when that's not my job. Anyway, little bit of a tangent there. <laughs> but, uh, my darling,
1: do Whatever I? Whatever way you bring it up is going to be the right way to do it. That, there um, it is, Sam. And I... I have faith that this this person that you really like is going to handle it well and and you're going to figure out how to make it work for both of you. Yeah.
2: And also like good on you for seeking your health, you know, for like Absolutely. I know so many people who, who would probably qualify um, as having sleep apnea and who haven't given themselves the gift of that medical um, treatment.
1: Oh, absolutely! There was like an Instagram influencer that like recorded a funny video of her of her boyfriend snoring, and I was like, "That man has sleep apnea, and he should go to a sleep lab to get a CPAP <laughs> machine because he could literally die in his sleep." <laughs> I have like never interacted with this person before, but I was just like, "You, this isn't the- funny. This is like yeah. this is like a life and death matter." Like as a yeah. person who grew up with someone who had sleep apnea, and just like hearing him not breathe frequently, yeah. like it's really scary. It's a it's a It is like a serious medical condition.
2: Absolutely. All right. Do I? You do. And we love you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for writing and for letting us talk about things that had very little to do with you.
2: in the house
1: get warm weather ready with quince go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns that's q u i n c e.com slash just to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash just break up
2: all right I love this next letter, and it is from Modest T, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam, Sierra, and Big Cats. Thank you so much for putting all the time and energy into this podcast community. Your work does not go unseen. I listen to these episodes as part of my, quote, me time on hikes and long drives with no real destination, but to feel good. Here it is. My boyfriend of two years, block, block, blocked me. Yep. He unfollowed me on Instagram. I know where you're thinking. Did y'all break up? Nope. Yeah. When I say it out loud, it feels like something I would cry over in middle school if I found out I wasn't in someone's top eight <laughs> on MySpace. That is for real. Uh-huh. Uh, he didn't tell me what that he was going to unfollow me. I figured it out when I was looking for a mutual friend's profile. When I confronted him with the reasoning, assuming it was a clear mistake or a slip of the finger, he said it wasn't. Immediately, the famous intense Law and Order dun dun sound popped into my head. He told me he didn't feel comfortable seeing my feed because of the pictures I post and in case I get comments from guys. He went on to say there has to be only one reason why I post, quote, countless underwear pics and asking me who everyone specifically was that commented under my pictures. I felt very judged, embarrassed, and not respected at all. Throughout our two-year relationship, he's made random, seemingly innocent comments here or there that when I would ask him to stop, he said, I was reading too much into it and it's all fun and games. Here are some of the comments that he's made in the past. Wow, that's a lot of titty in that picture, wasn't it? You're just posting and fishing for attention. Why else would you post pics like that if it wasn't for other guys? Who is that guy commenting on your pics? I bet he wants to hook up. How do you know him? I've never heard of him. You haven't posted a sexy pic for all the boys recently. What's the matter? Give them what they want. Oh, I bet you just got a bunch of thirsty DMs after that post, didn't you? Literally, a guy I worked on um, on a job with once commented, I think you're great. And my boyfriend couldn't hold back his comments on this and asked 21 questions on my relationship with this commenter. Hearing these things from a partner that is meant to support and respect me, so so made has made me so self-conscious that i don't post for weeks on end because i'm expecting some scrutiny i was so excited to be casted in a swimwear launch with a big brand thank you very much and i deserve to post the final pics without feeling as if i'm quote disrespecting my partner the fact is i'm a black plus size model i've been apologizing for my body my whole life i'm fucking tired. I can wear a plain white tee and be told it's too revealing because it hugs Mm. my body differently than a small size body. I know I do not have to justify to anyone what and why I post, but I naturally lean to defending myself when they make assumptions about what I do. Literally nothing I do is for men. If I find some creative outlet and comfort in an online community, then what is wrong with that? Also, my posts are not explicit, not safe for work content. Most of it's just the same basic girl hiking, occasional swim or bra set that a company sent me, and golden hour selfies because my skin is popping. Being in the plus-size body positive community, I do have a handful of posts about sports bras or swimwear brands that are inclusive in their sizing. I don't believe nudity is strictly sexual and for the male gaze, and there's power in it just as much as modesty. I could have only dreamed of seeing bodies like mine online and in ads while I was growing up. This whole body liberation is a whole other topic, so I'll get back to the situation at hand. I told my boyfriend that as much as he can say unfollowing his girlfriend is something small and not to worry about, I still believe it is an expression of something bigger that have to be tackled. He tells me that this is about him and passively says, quote, "'Go post whatever nudity you want. Get all the DMs you need. You're welcome.'" I see the issue on our hands as some mutated big ball of insecurity, jealousy, mild slut shaming creature that will just grow bigger. If I take his advice of not addressing this picture, the music creature in the commercials. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that the outside world is cruel and tiring, but our intimate relationships should be a place of rest and judgment free. I can confidently say that I show him love that lines up with his love language daily. Have not given him anything to believe I've cheated or will cheat in the future and work on my head and heart work daily. Personally, I think that these comments coming from him have to have to be some twisted sort of test to see if I'm trustworthy and would crawl on my hands and knees promising I'll change to adhere to how he wants his girlfriend to act. Also, this has to be unhealthy controlling, right? Maybe it's some big old baggage that was brought to the relationship. Lord knows I brought some too. I absolutely love my boyfriend. We have seen each other through a lot these past two years, have the same goals and are excited for the future we are creating. We make time for one another, meeting for picnics and hikes during our hectic work days, making sure we still have moments to ourselves during this lockdown. But I can't be fighting against made up situations in his mind. Context that might help. He strayed twice in his past relationship. The second time was with me. We live in cities next to one another and we are in a monogamous relationship. His thought on this is unfollowing me is removing himself from the problem. I don't believe Instagram is the problem. It's just a manifestation of an idea ingrained in him. As much as I want to hear him out on what he thinks is best for him, I do want us to meet halfway and I want to be given the chance to work on why my feed is triggering him in the first place. God, I told myself I wouldn't be the crazy long letter girl, but here I am. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time and sharing your words of wisdom with all of us. All my love. Modesty. All right. Thank you so much for writing, Modesty. I adore you. Um, (laughs) And I love this letter. I hate this situation that you were in. Um, But some of your reflections that you've shared in this post, I couldn't agree with more Um, obviously Mm. we'll get to that in a little bit, but, um, uh, you just sound like the shit and I don't think you should hide your shine for anyone. (laughs) Right. Um, Sam and I, I, or Sam and I, I want to do like a quick preface before we dive in because this letter is juicy and Sam and I have some things that we want to say passionately. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I first just want to say, um, Your what your boyfriend is doing could be a healthy move. Like, there's a world in which, um, if there's a world in which making the choice to not see something that triggers us for the greater health of our relationship, um, like, like you know, unfollowing or, or what, however that manifests, there's a world in which that could be a healthy move, Mm -hmm. but this this is not it because of exactly (laughs) what you said, modesty, which is that this is an expression of something bigger and it's hurtful and it's shame filled. Um, and all of your basically what I was saying about like some of the things that you shared earlier, your intuition is spot on. I think about this situation that it's it's not just Instagram. It's it's not removing. It's, he hasn't washed his hands clean of all these hurtful thoughts that he's having that undermine you, your profession, your loyalty, your relationship. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I I I think it is important to say that there are circumstances in which willfully choosing not to engage with the thing that that you know triggers you that you know brings out an unhealthy side of you mm-hmm. can be a smart mature helpful choice you know and who knows like maybe if we get to the bottom of this issue with him that he can stay unfollowed you know he can he can still not follow you because he because he doesn't want to i don't know be pushed into that zone however mm-hmm. there are too many red flags and too many there's too much mess here. This there's a way to do this right in this ain't it.
1: <laughs> no, that's right because he's he's not just rem, he's not just removing himself from the situation. He's removing himself from the situation and then using that as a continued weapon to shame you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's because um, because you're really, choosing
2: to quote keep doing these horrible things that aren't fucking horrible at all. No,
1: um, and putting the putting the impetus for his insecurities on you which is a completely unfair thing to do right like you are not causing his insecurities his insecurities are caused by other things right like they are they are within him and you posting stuff on instagram has nothing to do with his insecurities right Right. like it is not causing them it is not it might be like triggering them in some ways but it's not it's not on you to fix his insecurities for him by by, you know, putting him in a little bubble where he doesn't have to see this stuff. Right. Right. Or making yourself smaller in order to 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 allow him to take up more space. Like that's not that's not a, a good way to be handling this situation. Right. And that's honestly what he is asking you to do in these moments.
0: Right.
2: And he might be he he might hide this. Hide that request behind the things that he's saying to you, like, you know, um, I'm removing myself from this situation now. I uh, you can do whatever you want. See, look at me not being a douchebag, you know, in your face. But that is that those messages that that move back is one, not him choosing not to engage with what triggers with him. Most importantly, it's choosing, it's him. He's choosing not to engage with your reality, which is your body, your career, what brings you happiness, what Mm -hmm. liberates you. He's choosing to say, Oh, no, 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 this triggers me. And I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, No, no, you can keep doing this thing that triggers me. I just don't have to know about it. Even though he's, just like Sam said, he's still like minimizing you, he's still like taking it out on you. Um,
1: absolutely. And I think also, even at the end of the day, modesty, um, it sounds like you're super proud of the things that you post on Instagram. It sounds like, you know, you got that swim, uh, that swimsuit deal and like, that's awesome. And I, for me, it it would be important for me to be with a partner that would want to celebrate those successes with me and not have to like remove themselves because they're feeling insecure mm -hmm, about it. mm -hmm. And so Regardless of all of his behavior, right like like the the unfollowing thing is like juicy and weird and and like <laughs> the first time that I've heard of this happening, which is um which is like why this letter sort of spoke to us. but at the end of the day, all of that aside, you want to be with someone who's gonna celebrate the things that you are celebrating about yourself, yeah. right. You're gonna you wanna be with someone who's gonna say, I'm so proud of you that you got that that swimwear deal. Um, I love looking at your pictures. I love how people are engaging with you on social media because engagement is one of like the metrics of success for that, right? Like that's how you find followers, that's how you grow your brand. Like, I think that this is really fantastic. And I'm so I want to be part of that success with you. Um instead of someone who's gonna who's going to diminish their shine, right? And whatever we can talk about whether or not um, your boyfriend is a bad person for doing this, right? He's probably not like we all have insecurities and we all deal with them in really shitty ways. And like, and I don't want to say he's a horrible person because he's feeling insecure about the fact that you are, you are a beautiful woman that other people are looking at. And and, like, all of that doesn't matter, though, because I think what matters here is, like, what kind of partner do you want in your mm-hmm. life? And is it someone who is going to diminish the things that you are most proud of, the things that you get the most joy out of? Or is it going to be someone who's going to sit in those awesome moments with you and and get out the metaphorical champagne and, and cheers with you?
2: Right. And really quickly, just remember, just because you can understand why he's triggered, why he's threatened why he's acting like this doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's okay or doesn't mean it's your responsibility to fix those that to to stop what makes him feel threatened you know it doesn't mean it's Mm -hmm. your responsibility at all you like Mm -hmm. sam said you deserve to be celebrated and you know what you deserve to be celebrated for your career but you but also you deserve to be cel- cel- celebrated as a general you. You deserve to be celebrated, right? Your body, your choices, how you move throughout this world, you deserve to be celebrated. And I think that you're, Sam is hitting the nail on the head by saying, what kind of partner do you want? This partner might have the capacity to do it, but his his fear and his anger... Mm-hmm. Is preventing him from showing up for you in a way that you deserve. Um, and I want to, I love that you touched on um, the idea of nudity too, because I know that we have listeners that are probably like, well, if my partner posted a half naked picture, I would feel insecure too. You know, I remember once, oh my God, one of my terrible exes, I posted a selfie and she texted me and was like, you should only make that kind of face for me. And I rem- I should, oh. I know, I, and we didn't break up for like four more months. Um, <laughs> I know. I guess I just want to, I want to like humanize um, the boyfriend's troubles. I'm not justifying them. I'm just like mm-hmm. pointing out, like the people have their triggers, right? They have, but a lot of it is associated, like modesty rights, with the idea that nudity is inherently s- sexual, and that right. bodies are inherently that sharing a body is inherently a sexual act, not just a sexual act, but like a, a wanting act, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that I, that's like a narrative that I just want to call out that because people post a sexy picture online, it's not a, it's not, it's not a call and response, right? It's not saying I, I, I want to be made. I want you to tell me I'm sexy. Right. It's Mm. I feel sexy. Right. That's where we (laughs) take away the agency is Mm -hmm. we assume that it has to do with other people instead of somebody just experiencing their own selves. And also unpacking nudity a little, just like Modesty said, um, nudity and oh, my God, doing things with your body modeling does not inherently equal sexuality. Right. Right. But I think it's almost like the same thing we associate things that happen in bed as intimacy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We associate a body, a body being shown as something that is inherently sexual. And we could get into more like woo woo conversations about like sexual energy and, and how that, that there's nothing wrong with sexuality. There's nothing wrong with lust and want. Right. But in this argument, I just want to say like, you know, people who use their bodies for professions, you know, Models are the only ones who are accused of being s- sexual or or who are sexualized um, regularly. I should say, mm-hmm. athletes. Like we don't see an athlete like in their uniform, their honest to god work uniform, the the thing that they need to do their profession, and and our first response is not, um, oh my god, look at her showing off her goods or whatever. <laughs> Unless you're fucking Serena Williams and, and, yeah, there, like and unless... here, here's the intersection of race <clears throat> and gender um, in this conversation, you know,
1: for sure. Or if you're like a beach volleyball team and the women wear like literal bikinis and the men wear like shirts and shorts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Summarizing that, I don't know anything about athletics, but my, <laughs> <laughs> the my point still stands is the idea that like, <clears throat> I think that we are very conniving about which bodies we choose to assume um sexuality over right mm-hmm. um and okay so going back to modesty like you know this you know this better than i do the fact that you are a model doesn't mean you are unfaithful doesn't mean you're unworthy doesn't mean you are looking for attention and even if you were you still wouldn't be a bad person you still no. wouldn't be a bad person even if you right. wa- here oh my god Side note, another thing, (laughs) I've thought a lot about this, about, like, posts online and, like, getting likes from people, getting affirmation in relationships. Y'all, it is okay to get affirmation from someone outside of your relationship. I know that this is, like, a really hard thing to unpack, especially, especially when it's your partner getting that affirmation. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I can just, like, picture myself looking at my ex-boyfriend's Instagram and being like, oh my God, he posted this just to get likes. Like, how fucking dare he? Meanwhile, I'm like <laughs> uploading a selfie and like, yeah, right. you know, like publishing <laughs> another book. You know, uh huh. but in the grand scheme of the world, like our, in, in the universe, like our partners are not the only person who makes us feel good about ourselves. There's also nothing wrong with feeling good about yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Or feeling good about other people Praising us, right? Like, or feeling good about how many likes you got on that picture, right? Like, if it's the only thing that's bringing you validation and a sense of self worth, like, let's talk about that because that's not sustainable and nutritious, right? But we are human beings; we are social beings. Like, we are we are ingrained in making connection with people and feeling validated by them. That's part of the reason why this this pandemic has been so difficult for so many of us is because of that isolation, that feeling of like. When you walk down the street and someone like smiles at you or like looks you in the eye, like it triggers your brain chemicals to be like, okay, I'm safe. Like I'm accepted. I, I am a good person. Right. And, and so like the fact that you are posting things online and you are getting a sense of validation from the likes and the comments that you are receiving doesn't make you a shallow, vapid, unhealthy person. It makes you a person you could like, and as long as you are like, I know that I have worth outside of these comments. I know that I I could be someone who gets zero likes on any picture and I would still be a good person like then good. Like you are fine, (laughs) which is just all to say that you, you have nothing to be ashamed of in this moment. And the fact that your partner is, is making you feel that shame. And I will say like, I don't know why and how he's doing it. Like, I don't know if he's being intentionally malicious about it or if it really is just his insecurities coming up but also like you don't you don't deserve that and you don't have to make space for it and so i would just encourage you to think about like the fact that this man is making you feel bad about something that you love and appreciate about yourself and and whether or not that's something that you think is sustainable for a relationship and even if he is intentionally removing himself from that situation those comments are still there. They are continued to be unaddressed and he would rather extricate himself from it than actually like tackle head on what is happening with him and his insecurities and the way in which he's using those insecurities to bring you down. Right. So it's either having an explicit conversation about that in more than just a, well, I've removed myself from the situation so the conversation's over or it has to be you removing yourself from the situation by breaking up with them
2: yeah yeah and i i want to say a couple things but another thing that i just want to say explicitly is that is those seemingly innocent comments as i'm quoting your words they're nasty these are nasty things to say to your like mean things to say to your partner and he's Mm -hmm. obviously acting out of like i said he feels threatened he feels scared he feels angry whatever and that's when nastiness comes out but it's it's I just want to say that explicitly, and I and mm-hmm. I I bet you like all my money that you heard when you heard these things said back to you, you heard how nasty they sounded. Mm. But Sam is right; like it's there's going to be a moment of accountability that has to happen here. And I just want to say two quick things in closing. Like one, if you're somebody who knows that you are guilty of this behavior, and I will with all honesty and sh- and and humility say i have done i've said things like this right oh same 100 percent.
1: i have for sure said cool things that makes about me feel what better. people yeah like have posted on instagram and like not even maybe intentionally meant it as slut shamey but like it just it's, like came it's out
0: so ingrained it's so <laughs> it's ingrained
1: deeply ingrained for right. sure
2: um and i'm also talking about like in interpersonal relationships like my ex-boyfriend's instagram mm-hmm. feed you know He's a music. He was a musician, and like he needed to promote himself. But I always took it as a threat to me. Right
3: mm. when
2: that happens, when we see ourselves judging people in that way, we something unhealed in us is popping out. Right, and right. and and you know, in the attachment world, we we call that acting out. We are your boyfriend, Modesty, is acting out. Um, mm-hmm. This is a way that he is not holding himself accountable to fair and just reasoning. Right. And for me, it was like my insecurities were acting out in ways that I was trying to control my partner or make them feel bad about themselves or whatever. And this is where the head and heart work comes in. It's like you just cannot. I don't want to be a person who does that type of thing to other people, especially people I love. So that's Mm. a quick call out to everybody um, who might see themselves in the other side of this letter. And finally, um, Modesty, I love what you wrote about seeing bodies like your body um, when you were little, like that you could only dream of that. And I want to tell you the the next time your boyfriend makes you feel shitty about celebrating your body in the way that you choose authentically too. I want you to know that there is a little girl out there who's going to see your picture and think that you are an honest to God superhero. And I want you to mm. think about that child and think <clears throat> about that experience over what your boyfriend's pain and how it's trying to hurt you
1: Mm -hmm. that's real
2: modesty we love you so much and uh we're rooting for you and will you please send us some of those pictures of your of your campaign if you feel comfortable doing that
1: absolutely please do okay we love
0: you
2: thank you so much for writing
1: All right, our next letter comes from Exhausted Bridget, who is writing from Ontario, Canada. Hey guys, I've been listening to Just Break Up obsessively, hoping to hear someone with the same question as mine, and so far it's a no, and if I don't get some help soon, I'm going to implode, so here it goes. I've been in a monogamous relationship with my boyfriend, he, him, for almost two years, and like relationships do, it started out so wonderful. He made me feel so safe, and our passions aligned like two peas in a pod. My cat approved of him, and it felt like nothing could go wrong. I'm sure you see where this is going, though, and things did indeed go wrong. He had managed depression and anxiety when we met, but about eight months ago, the terrifying monster of severe depression returned, and things have been an absolute heckin' nightmare since. He became extremely dependent on me and being completely over my head and just wanting to make things better for him. I let myself become that person that he relied on. Now my life completely revolves around his. I plan his every day. I come home from work each day to spend hours doing his work with him since his job performance is extremely poor, but he refuses to take a leave from work. I'm obsessively encouraging him to seek therapy to no avail. I'm walking on eggshells trying to say only the right things to avoid inciting his meltdowns. I no longer feel like I can bring up my feelings or needs without the incoming meltdown. I'm managing all of his basic human needs. I'm so scared of his anger, which manifests as yelling at people who love him and sometimes breaking things. And the list goes on. His mood swings rule my life and I live for those rare sweet moments when things seem to be okay. But generally, I just feel like I'm living in a rotten pit of garbage the rest of the time. All in all, I know that I've let every boundary that I originally didn't know I needed to be crossed. Mm. And I know that our relationship is incredibly unhealthy. I even know that for my sake, although it makes me feel sick with guilt, we need to just break up. But this is where I'm at a total loss. How the heck do I go about breaking up with someone who is struggling so hard already? Like literally, what's the best timing? I've been waiting to see some improvement to do it, but he's not improving and I'm already far past my breaking point. We also live with his parents, which adds a whole other dimension of confusion. Should I tell his parents first so they can be ready for the fallout that I know will ensue? How do I get over the sickening guilt for leaving his parents to have to support him when I've been taking the weight off them so much and my boyfriend already has a hard relationship with them? Lastly, how do I get over the other and biggest dimension of sickening guilt that is leaving someone I care about so much when he's at his lowest? I feel like the worst person that my question to you isn't how to support him better, but I'm so checked out of our relationship and things have gone so far that I can't check back in. Thank you for your wise words and support that you've already given me through all of the other podcast episodes, but any other advice related specifically to this shit show would be so appreciated.
2: Thank you so much for writing. I, I'm sort. I feel sort of honored to answer this question. I think back at the beginning, thinking about reflecting on the podcast, I remember the first couple of months of our podcast two and a half years ago, Mm
0: -hmm. we,
2: we would still get so, we were still so shocked that people would send us such personal things, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm reminded of that feeling um, and that sense of awe and gratitude that you guys, that you all share this with us and um, share your, share your burdens with us. I feel grateful to carry them um, with you or, or to, tell you what to do (laughs) um and i just want to quickly say that this is such an incredibly incredibly hard situation that you find yourself in and i'm Mm -hmm. i'm so sorry that your good love turned into something that it was that was harmful and unstable and um and i'm and sam and i are both very proud of you for getting to the point where you realize that you are unhappy and that you deserve better um I know that that is that is half of the very difficult journey. is just realizing that you need out, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think it's um, it's just really hard to be in these situations where it feels like there's no villain, right? Like where it feels like, oh, yeah, we're all just we're just messy humans. And this messiness is not working Um, because it's it's so much easier when you're like, oh, he cheated on me. And so now we're broken up like that feels like, yes, this is the right choice. But to be in a situation where you're like, this is just unsustainable. This right. is just, this is just an impossibility at this point. Um, it's just really challenging because it feels, it feels like you're the one that has to be the villain. Then, right? right. You're the one that has to take on the story of being the, the asshole who broke up with him when he was at his lowest.
2: Right. Um, and I think, I think we are fed this narrative that there is there's a, the right way to do things or there is a kind mm-hmm. way to break up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that narrative reinforces this idea that, that, th- that we can do this in a way that saves pain or that to do mm-hmm. it at any other time would be worse or whatever. There's literally like articles online that are like how to break up with someone in a kind way as though, as though the act itself could possibly be perceived as kind. Don't get me wrong. We, you know, we at just break up know that breaking up can be the right kind thing to do. But -hmm. I think it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to find the the perfect timing, the right way to do Mm -hmm. the right way to enforce our boundaries and to make the the right change for our lives in the way that hurts the person, the least, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, That's setting us up for failure because um, exhausted Bridget, like there is no right time to break up and breaking up is, is, is not a kind act. Like we know that it can be an act of kindness for yourself and your partner. Right. It's not a
1: nice act.
2: (laughs) Right. That's it. That's it. Is that, that we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to make something um, painful feel as though it's not painful.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like there's, there are very few instances where you can break up with someone and not hurt or disappoint them. Right. Like, and I think the, the pressure that we put on ourselves to mitigate that, that as much as possible, um, doesn't serve us very well. And, and the fact is, is that like, yeah, when you break up with this man, it's going to be hard on him. When you break up with him, it's going to be hard on his parents. But there's no situation that you can do where it's not going to be hard for him and it's not going to be hard for his parents. It's not going to be hard for you. Right. And and trying to figure out what that situation is that's going to align perfectly where there's no hurt or that like the hurt is less is unrealistic because mm-hmm. it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt. a big time for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> like, for you, for your boyfriend's, for his parents, for your friends, like that's just the reality of what breakups are. Yeah. Um, and I wish that I could tell you, here's the formula. Here's here's the exact right thing to say at this exact right time and it's going to hurt less. But that's not the reality. The reality is, is it's just going to suck. And you just have to sort of gird your loins for that, for how gird difficult your it is. What? <laughs> gird your loins. Gird?
2: Gird? That's a gird word? Gird your
1: loins. Yes.
2: I, there's so many things happening in that <laughs> phrase that I cannot truly process at once.
1: It means gird like, your loins. Get ready. Have you never seen Devil Wears Prada?
2: <laughs> she says gird your loins in it?
1: No. What's his name? Stanley Tucci, the first time that Meredith is showing up to the office, walks around saying, gird your loins, because she's coming and everyone's terrified wow. of her.
2: Did, that's not, that was not my takeaway of that movie.
3: <laughs>
2: uh. Okay, anyway, exhausted Bridget, learn things every day here at Just Break Up. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do something that we fucking rarely do on this podcast, which is jump straight to some practical advice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think that you should n- make a concrete plan and, uh, and like an out, like maybe potentially get an apartment or, or secure a place to live mm-hmm. um, and get stow yourself to be be ready for things to be different immediately. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think the more you are a part of this transition, the harder and longer it will be. Absolutely. Um, so make a plan, whether that's pack a bag or secure housing or whatever, um, and this is going to sound really callous, but leave and don't come back. Um, Agreed. again, you know, for folks thinking like that's a cold, cold, cold way to go. To, how, what is a good way to break up with someone? Right. Like, what is a good way? This, this, from my perspective, this is a way that you can, um, ensure your safety, ensure, um, that you don't get convinced to return to something that is not sustainable for you. Right. Um, that's just, just my concrete advice is to get ready for it, be ready for things to be different and make them different immediately.
1: Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with that and like, give yourself a date to do it too. Right. Like don't wait for the perfect circumstances. Wait for the time that you've set for yourself to do it. Yep. Um, which is to say, like, do all of the things that Sierra said. So, like, text your friend and be like, hey, I'm going to do this. I need some place to stay. Can I stay with you? Or find a new apartment if that's feasible. Um, but don't wait. Don't wait for the circumstances to align. Set yourself a specific goal, a time, a date right. of when you are going to do it. Right. right. Cause, like. The circumstances are never going to be perfect enough for you to want to actually make this happen. So you just have to, you have to set a deadline for yourself.
2: Your happiness is the circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. Your absolutely. unhappiness,
1: right? And, and I r- think Sierra is absolutely right that like a clean break is actually going to be kinder for, for him, right? right? Like a, uh, separation immediately and like not lingering, <laughs> Right. Like not sort of doing the thing that we do often in breakups, which is like continue to be in each other's lives and pretend that we're still dating, even though we're entirely broken up. Yeah. um, Isn't going to serve him very well.
2: Yeah. Um, And I'll give you a script. I'll give you some words that you can say. But first, I want to touch on the piece about the parents, because I do think that is a unique um, circumstance of this of this scenario. But I want to try to, like, shift your perspective on something that yes, it is kind and thoughtful, and also like maybe even um, responsible of you to think like, do I give my the parents a heads up, like because they're gonna have to deal with that. But even that thought process, that thinking, reinforces that your boyfriend is the responsibility of someone else, not his own. It reinforces that he's someone else's responsibility and not responsible for himself. Um, Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, no matter what resources and support um, and understanding and compassion we can give to someone, they are solely and uniquely responsible for themselves. And your Mm -hmm. boyfriend will have to learn that at one point or another, despite his mental illness. Right. Because of it. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's that is the reality of it. Um, And I think, you know, I. I want to say that like your boyfriend does deserve help, right? Like right. he does deserve people to support him in this, um, in what he's going through, but he does, he's not entitled to you, right? Mm. Like he's not entitled to just you being that person for him. Um And I know that that's really hard to hear. Um, And I know that that's disappointing in some ways, because like, I think a lot of us would love to be the one person to help, help quote unquote, fix the people around right. us. Um And I, but the reality is is like you are you are taking all of that on and honestly you are you are in some ways isolating him by by taking mm. on everything that he needs to do right like by by giving him and others the illusion that he is well enough to be able to to sort of not need any additional resources or help mm. um and that's that's a a harsh reality to to come yeah. against, um, and I'll admit that. But but it's not up to you to sort of fix him. And he has there are resources available to him that aren't you that he's not using right now, mm-hmm. right? And maybe this will well. be the impetus for him to get to use those resources that are actually going to be more useful for him than having you do everything enough for him so that people don't notice how deeply he's hurting.
2: Would you tell the parents in that situation? I wouldn't. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I would, I would do it. I would maybe reach out to them afterwards and just say like, I'm so sorry. Yes. That I know that this is a, this is also a breakup with you and just know that I've appreciated all of the things that you've given me, but the, I, this is the best decision for both of us. Right. Um, just to like acknowledge how much they are doing, but also, you know, they don't, they're not entitled to that either. Um because I think, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, to add to that script, I would say um, things that you can say to your boyfriend during this process, direct I statements. I am unhappy. This isn't working for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: There is no arguing that. I'm sure that people can debate it. I'm sure that there's pushback. But if you, st- if you say, state simply that this is not working for you and that you are unhappy, you are incapable of doing this anymore, then there's, there's at least no arguing it of it in your heart, you know? Absolutely. And I want to say really quickly, because I know conversations about relationship and mental health can get sticky um, because a lot of people don't know how to advocate for people with mental illness, um, people struggling with depression or anxiety. And also we, we don't always know how to advocate for ourselves, you know? Um and the intersection of mental health and relationships is, is a tr- can be a really tricky one, right? So I, we can't unpack all of that in this letter, but I just want to say, if you're a listener who's thinking like, well, so-and-so left me because they didn't care that I was hurting or because they couldn't handle all of my, quote, crazy or whatever mm-hmm. negative self-talk you're saying right now, I want to say, I'm sorry that it happened to you. And also, we are all humans moving on this planet uh, who all have a right to agency and choice. And your ex made a path, took a path or made a choice that was the best for them. It might have really hurt you and it might have made you feel like you they they couldn't handle you that you were too much or anything none of that is true it was just a choice for them about their life um it's it's possible to have mental illness and healthy relationships it's possible to uh be there for a partner in a mental health crisis obviously there's so much more we could unpack there but i was just thinking Mm -hmm. like the ways the stories that we tell ourselves about the hard times that we were going through and the people that could or couldn't be there for us often like reinforce hurtful narratives that we were told by society or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you weren't too much. You just aren't right for each other in this moment, in this iteration, you know?
1: Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's absolutely right. And as people or as someone who has dated people with mental illness before, right? Like, yes, it's absolutely. And someone who's like suffers from mental illness himself. It's absolutely possible to be in relationship with people who are struggling um and do it in a healthy sustainable way, right? um, but the reality is is that in this situation bridget this isn't this yeah. isn't sustainable for either of you right
2: exactly exactly obviously, I really feel like we could talk about that forever, but I feel like we've covered enough for this letter, but that that just one small conversation topic opens so many doors in my mind that i that that I want to talk about with you just like what is the where are the intersections of compatibility, timing, mental illness, resources, uh, you know, networks like you have connections to people um
3: huh?
2: and I guess it it's a perfect summary of like we are all so complicated, right? There's no perfect <laughs> yeah. equation for dating. There's no perfect equation for being a, a great partner. Um, it's all like a combination of, of luck and timing and hard work and life experience. And who the fuck knows?
1: Mm-hmm. That's real.
2: Anyway, um, exhausted Bridget, you deserve um, happiness and uh, you can do hard things. And we know this is really hard and really painful but you are not a bad person for seeking out a happier life and for leaving something that isn't working for you anymore.
3: Mm,
1: very real.
2: Thank you so much for writing.
1: We love you. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with... Okay, I'm going to
2: cheat, and I'm going to send you home with an idea.
3: Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I'm running out of TV recommendations. Just kidding. Queen's, <laughs> Queen's Gambit was A+. Plus. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, you should definitely watch it if you haven't already. Anyway, but the real blind date for today is an idea that I took from um, one of my very first therapy sessions with my new therapist uh, that I've been seeing for a couple months now. Um, I've been sitting with it the past couple months. She asked me, um, like, what do you do to relax? And I literally started to open my mouth and say, you know, like watch Netflix. Um, Mm -hmm. And she goes, don't tell me what you do to clock out. Tell me what you do to put your soul at ease. And I was like, oh, dang. (laughs) Um, So then I've 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 started to think like, you know, things that nourish me is the way I've been thinking about it. Things that um, really make me feel centered, make me feel back to myself And honestly, like the office just doesn't do that to my soul (laughs) (laughs) Um, or like I watch TV so that my brain has a break. But you know what makes me feel like myself and feel centered is like cooking or painting or um, taking on a new creative project or putting my phone away. So I think Mm -hmm. just like that small idea that there's a difference between um, clocking out and rest, right? There's a difference between like relaxing and enriching yourself in a way that allows you to show up even better the next day. So I encourage Mm. you over the next two weeks while you take a break from us um, or potentially listen to all of our Patreon episodes, um, (laughs) reflect on and kind of try to tap into what, what fills you up again, what allows you to truly um, capital R rest and replenish um and seek out those things when you find yourself when you when you feel tired when you're like oh my god i just need a break from from this day stop and think do i need to clock out do i want to watch netflix or do i need to feel replenished do i need to take a bath or whatever so that's Mm -hmm. my blind date good luck summarizing that that in the show notes spencer (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) uh i'm sure he'll do a great job he always does (laughs) yeah all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on uh, Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at Just Break Up Pod. You can
2: slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our new merchandise.
1: Yay. <laughs> Please remember to follow us so that you can get uh, every episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify. You can also support us on Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode, as well as access to all of the Patreon episodes that we have ever recorded, patreon.com slash just breakup pod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
2: I'm going to say it one more time. We are taking the next two weeks off of our primary episodes, but you can find us uh, uploading new episodes every Wednesday on Patreon, as Sam just said. And if you can give us the holiday gift of telling a friend why you love just break up original music, recording, editing, producing, and all magical things by our good friend, Spencer, AKA big cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the what if podcast, and remember, despite, What you've been taught despite what you feel despite what you are ashamed of despite what you have been told there's nothing wrong with you you are worthy of celebration you are worthy of happiness and you deserve to enjoy this day and if all else fails
1: just break up